episode 173, Artificial Intelligence versus Clicking Around in EHRs. Today, I speak with Wayne Crandall from NoteSwift. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. In my recent interview with John Lynn from HealthScene, he mentioned NoteSwift, a company working to reduce the currently massive amount of clicking around that doctors and nurses do within EHR systems. The same clicking around, by the way, that has been identified as a significant cause of physician burnout. Today, I had the opportunity to speak with Wayne Crandall, the president and CEO over at NetSwift, about Samantha, their artificially intelligent assistant who can listen to a doctor talk and input what is said into all the right checkboxes and templates within the EHR system. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Wayne. Hey, Stacy. Thanks for having me, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm sure that every single listener is going to have their own thoughts on the matter. If we're talking about EHR systems and we're talking about usability challenges, how would you qualify or quantify what we've got going on here? In specific, when I talk about challenging EHR uses, it's all about the physician side and the challenges they have with entering information, not just about the patient encounter, but all the coding that goes along with it, all the structured data elements that go along with it, and all those associated challenges. So when you're talking about structured data entry, you know, so say I'm a, a physician and I wanna enter something, you know, patient came in, I think they have the flu. Like, what does that entry look like? It depends on which EHR you're using, but specifically as you are documenting the patient encounter, there could be a, a narrative that you're going to put about, you know, how the patient feels that day and what symptoms are they experiencing. And then it gets into getting into more specifics where there are or can be checkboxes that need to be ticked off, defining on a, a discrete basis of what is going on with that patient, which then leads into diagnoses and then eventually plans and orders. That Eventually, you're going to use for measured outcomes and analysis in population health management. But shouldn't all those boxes I have to click make things easier? Exactly. Now, what, what do you have to do when you check a box? Well, you're presented with a screen of whatever it could be, 10, 20, 30 boxes. So you got to read through those. And then you got to make sure, because they're very small, that you can check the right one. And then the layers of menus that have those check boxes. You're now getting to a point where a patient encounter can take anywhere from 20 to 40 clicks in order to complete. And if you extrapolate that over the course of a day of seeing maybe 20 patients over five days a week, over 50 weeks a year, you're talking upwards of 170,000 clicks just to enter patient documentation, which is a large amount. And I could see that if it's really tough to put information into the EHR, you know, it takes 170,000 clicks, um, then it's also tough to get accurate information out of the EHR. So, you know, to some extent, the data gaps and inaccuracies are kind of the devil child, maybe, of the amount of clicking that's necessary here. 
And because there are so many checkoff boxes or tick boxes, right? The opportunity for error is a lot greater. You know, did I click the correct box? Obviously, at the end of documenting a, a patient encounter, the physician still has to sign off in the note so they can validate that at the end of the note. But that causes, again, more time that they've got to spend on it and possibly go back and re-edit. And how much does the fact that a lot of these EHR systems were built to achieve reimbursement and not necessarily clinical outcomes? And what I mean by that is I was talking to someone the other day who was saying that the notes, for example, like if you examine more body parts, then you get reimbursed more. So there's template notes in there that are kind of like I examined the left arm, the right arm, the you know what I mean? And then so someone would select that template and it would import a huge note. One of the areas to overcome some of the burden of entering the EHR note that providers employ are to cut and paste standard paragraphs of information into the note. And sometimes it may not directly apply to the patient. And therefore, is it an accurate diagnosis? Is it an accurate outcome? And is it an accurate note? Answer me this, Wayne. I was reading something in Health IT. I forget if it was a journal or magazine. But anyway, it was giving advice to CIOs relative to what needs to happen in their EHR systems in 2018. The advice was CIOs and other executives should put themselves in the physician's shoes, I'm quoting now, and spend a day following around physicians and see how they work with their EHR tools, understand the pain points and hear suggestions. The thought that immediately struck me was maybe these CIOs and other executives don't really understand the pain points that we're just talking about right now at a granular level. Do you think that's true? Like, do you think if I, you know, we polled an average CIO, they would be able to express some of the concerns that you're just talking about right now? Actually, some of the CIOs that I've encountered have been aware that there is a problem. And the way that they're learning that there's a problem is because more and more physicians are burning out from the administrative overhead which is directly related to the EHRs. So obviously, if you start seeing physicians retire or leave or whatever, the CIO is going to be aware of that. They also understand these challenges that they're having because it directly affects their billing. So if there are inaccurate patient notes with inaccurate coding, this is going to directly cause an increase in denials, which means more effort that they're going to have to put into to try to resubmit their insurance claims. Although, just to be cynical, it also could work the other way. So if it's an FFS, fee-for-service situation, mm -hmm. the fact that they've got a note that says that they checked 19 body parts, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it, it might not help for value-based care because ultimately all that information is completely extraneous and may actually be incorrect. True enough. But in a value-based care, I could see that that could certainly be an issue. It's interesting what you say, though, that one of the main um, signals <laughs> in the marketplace to CIOs, though, is physicians quitting. Yeah. If you look, I, I can't even tell you the number of articles that are being published over the last, I'll say, even three, four months, which is clearly highlighting the physician burnout problem. I've even encountered a few practices who are small one or two doc practices that have closed up shop just because of the administrative burden versus facing the fines that are uh, inflicted upon them not doing electronic health records. There's enough negative consequences of having clunky, clicky 
systems that it is becoming a top priority of CIOs that is counterbalancing the pressure on everyone in a hospital to obviously maximize billing. Because if we're focusing on reducing clicks and creating streamlined, you know, that takes away from maybe what someone could consider the core business. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> I don't know even how I'd expand on that. Um, the tipping point is here. <laughs> it, it 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 really is. I mean, so I, I was at a practice of about twelve surgeons the other week, and and it was just clearly explained to me that there are solutions trying to be implemented to this. Uh, a doctor was taking home an hour and a half to two hours of charting work a night to finish off what, you know, the patients that he had seen that day. And as part of that, he was also spending this particular surgeon I was speaking to $35,000 a year on transcription services to supplement his dictation or even handwritten notes in order to get it into the EHR. These are just different ways that uh, practices are looking at trying to solve the problem, you know, with adding additional expense and or the doctors just adding their own personal time to fulfill the obligations. We had a guest on the podcast maybe last year who said the new definition of pajama time for physicians is cuddling up with your computer and your EHR system. Which is <laughs> it's, so sad. it's no joke. Yeah, it's no. I mean, I hear it quite frequently. Conversely, I also hear that some of the larger health networks and the CIOs and the CMOs of these organizations are spending huge amounts of manpower and money on trying to create more automated templates and ways to enter the data. And again, that's good to a certain extent, but again, if you have to get more granular, those standard templates that they're using, you know, needs to be edited during the note process as well. What I'm doing right now as we're talking, Wayne, I'm compiling a list of potential solutions here. So you mentioned very rapidly scribes. You talked about transcription services. Then you just mentioned automated templates. What else do you see people trying out there in the marketplace? Again, there, there are different ways to solve a lot of different problems. As you said, scribes, employing scribes at practices, there's concerns at that level because you have a non-medically educated person in the same exam room. Maybe patients feel a little bit uh, leery of that. You've got transcription services that are out there that are being employed. There's certainly a delay in getting the information back, and it's very costly. Practices of all sizes are now employing coders, so people to actually review the coding that's required to submit in order to assure their reimbursements. And as you talked about the EHR templates, going beyond that, there's a host of technologies to try to automate that. And, you know, that's where we step into things like speech recognition and then the ancillary products or intelligent products that add on to that in order to ease that burden. Someone said at one juncture, there's always a solution which is simple, elegant, and completely wrong. I often think of that in the sense that sometimes the first idea, like if you're not thinking about a problem very holistically, like from the largest context, then what winds up happening is there's tactical solutions, which are, it's kind of like whack-a-mole, but at the same time, not solving the situation, like why are the moles popping up to begin with? I'm loving your analogies. This might be a good time to talk about NoteSwift. How are you thinking about this perhaps in a different way than the solutions that we just ran through? Maybe before I get into NoteSwift, 
maybe expand a little bit on the last point that I made, which was speech recognition, medical speech recognition. You know, that has been in the market for a number of years and has been utilized by many practices to try to automate the input of patient notes. And also speech recognition, you know, has some of its inherent challenges. We hear them quite often where, you know, I have accents, different dialects, different pace of speech, um, which could also all cause inaccuracies in the results. And generally speaking, what you're getting on the output from the speech recognition product is the narrative of the patient encounter. And now what do you do with that narrative? How do you get it into the structured data elements of the EHR, the tick boxes, things of that nature? And so some of these things have been overcome along the way with macros and templates but again, there are maintenance challenges associated with those as well. You know, if the EHR is to change their user face in any way in a new revision, then all of those need to be rewritten or, or realigned with the, the new user interface. So speech recognition, in our view, is certainly a great automating tool, but it's not the total solution. Because if you look at what doctors did in the past, Right. They used to take a dictation machine, speak into it, the patient encounter, and then send that tape off and someone would type it into a system. And that's what they want to do. But with today's requirements of having the structured data fields and having the coding that must be matched up to the diagnosis and the orders, et cetera, it needs to expand beyond that. So NodeSwift, what we do is we help take that speech recognition output and we do all the things essentially in a, using artificial intelligence to perform the functions of data entry into the EHR in real time. So essentially our product, Samantha, she will intelligently look at what the doctor dictated from a narrative, intelligently parse out the structured data elements, translate the terminology the doctor said to the correct terminology that the EHR is expecting, assign all the coding, and seamlessly integrate it directly into the EHR, all from a single screen, rather than having to click through the myriad of layers of screens that the EHR presents. And it's put into all the proper data elements of that EHR automatically. Does this tend to happen, like, actually in the exam room? Well, so physicians have different workflows. There are some physicians who are comfortable with dictating while they're in front of the patient. There are many that aren't. For example, the uh, surgeons that I visited that I commented on earlier, typically what they do is they go in and they see a patient and immediately following the patient exam, they go back to their office and they perform their dictation. There are others who create still handwritten notes and at the end of the day, they pile it all together and that's when they go home with the documentation. So it, it all depends on the timing and what their day looks like and their schedule looks like. Got it. So at whatever time I so choose, I dictate my notes into Samantha, and then she's connected to my EHR system. So I basically just talk, and then everything I've said just, you know, checks the right boxes. It seems very magical. Well, it's intelligent. Ah. <laughs> There's a host of technologies that are being applied in the market right now and with a great emphasis in the medical field because there's a huge need for it. You'll hear things like natural language processing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, heuristic approaches to uh, problem solving. There's a myriad of things and technologies that are out there in the market. And currently, 
these technologies, many of the developers of these technologies are looking to solve a much more expansive problem. The entire workflow from physician all the way through patient encounter and patient access to their own personal health information. So you'll see other what we'll call uh, virtual assistants out in the market today that are referenceable. So you can, through speech, you can reference and say, call up patient XYZ and when their last uh, labs were, what the results of those labs are, and what did I order? And you know the physician can get that information back through that personal assistant. So those technologies are just starting to be applied. They still have a bit of a ways to go to solve that entire continuum. The emphasis here with Samantha is we're trying to apply various strengths of the, each of those technologies to the problem at hand of solving the physician data entry problem. So with Samantha, say, you know, same example we were talking about before. I saw or I'm seeing a patient and that patient has the flu. I say into my dictaphone or my microphone, uh, <laughs> you know, patient has the flu. <laughs> what does Samantha do? You know, is that sufficient or do I still have to say, you know, patient is presenting with, do I have to say, and, and uh, this is ICD-10 code, blah, blah, blah? No, patient comes in today with symptoms of nausea and, and is feeling whatever they're feeling. And my diagnosis of this is XYZ. And therefore, I'm going to order this and prescribe this that I'm going to want to go to their pharmacy with this amount of dose and this amount of refills and et cetera, et cetera. So I document that entire encounter. And at that point, I ask Samantha to process and she will look at the terminology, look at the diagnosis, look at the orders, assign the coding based on what is analyzed and what is said by the physician. So that's all automatically done for the physician. So they don't have to say their coding, they don't have to decide which is specifically structured information or not. She picks it out for them. So obviously, Samantha is integrated within the EHR system. She is right in there because mm -hmm. if she's going to check those boxes, then she has to have access to those boxes, of course. Yes. I mean, that's an important point. We, we work very closely with the EHR companies and they provide us access to their, for lack of technical term, interface means called APIs, where we can address all those pieces of the note and all the elements within each section of the note so that we can place the information properly. And the other thing that I failed to mention earlier, that because it always comes up as a question as we're talking to physicians, Samantha does all this intelligently and automatically, but we also have to give the ability for the physician to review and sign off. So within that, we do identify to the physician where there might have been questionable recognition of some of what we had decided on, and we highlight it. We believe we got this correct, but we just want you to verify. Um, this one might be off, so maybe you have to select a different one or a more severe, which says, we guessed at this, but we're pretty sure we need your help here. And the reason why we have to do that, you know, if you're talking about ICD-10 codes and what is it, 72,000 codes that are out there, you know, you can be presented with multiple codes for a single ailment, depending on which arm you're dealing with, which muscle, and you want to make sure you're selecting the right one to get that discrete data. Is that review process, you know, so then I've done all my dictating, Samantha's processed the information, do I set that I want at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, like to review all of her questions? Or how does that review period look? 
Yeah, that's happening live. And and maybe I made it sound more onerous than it is. It, it's generally, you know, just a few things that it's presenting to the provider right there as they're cre- as they're creating the note. And is she doing that like I'm having a conversation with her? You know, I say, send it to this pharmacy. And then Samantha goes, I don't think that pharmacy exists. Try again. Um, we're not that good yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's not conversational. Um, so she's listening to the doctor and, you know, say, you know, prescribe albuterol, two puffs daily, uh, refills 10, whatever. And in that fluid stream, we'll put all of those elements in the proper e-prescribed form, present that to the doc and the doc hits okay when, when, you know, it's validated and it's sent off to the pharmacy. So I know one of the things with artificial intelligence, and this is pretty much a standard working procedure with chatbots, there's a confidence level that's assigned. So if I say something and the artificial intelligence engine is not entirely sure, I say, okay, well, if you're, because everything about these artificial intelligence is available as a numeral. So if I say, okay, well, if you're less than 70% sure about what I just said, then ask the question. How are you determining what has a question, you know, what Samantha's got an issue with or potentially not sure of, and what she's totally sure of? Would I need to be concerned that she thought she had something and actually she just prescribed a chemo med to somebody who has the flu? You know, there's two parts to that. Number one, there is always referenceable databases that are part of the EHR, whether it be coding or medications and things of that nature that because we're seamlessly integrated, we're accessing through that EHR of what they have. And so the confidence levels uh, through our heuristic approach, we, we measure that continually. And Samantha is actually learning the interactions from the physician as they're using it more and more where we become more confident in what we are deciding on and then present that to the physician if necessary. So in all cases, I mean, there is a measuring mechanism for us within Samantha, which says, you know, code this red and make sure that the physician interacts with it versus green. We're highly confident we've gotten it. And then there's some kind of feedback loop. So She'll ask the question when she's less than, you know, whatever percentage confident. But if the physician is always like, yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Then she gets confident in that and stops asking about it. Yeah, she she learns from it. That's all part of the machine learning aspect of it. Is there some secret that you guys have uncovered relative to accents or, you know, different cadences of speech, which I know is something that totally throws a lot of these speech recognition programs for a total loop. We don't actually, we're speech agnostic. Whatever the speech recognition product that is employed, and there's a number of them that are out in the market, the big 800-pound gorilla, so to speak, that's out there is Nuance and Dragon. Most people have it and have heard of it. Um, So, you know, to answer those questions, that's a result of the speech recognition engine and not us. Because remember, we're just taking that output of what the speech recognition engine is delivering and then doing the intelligent analysis of it. Oh, I got it. So it's kind of um, bring your own <laughs> speech recognition. <laughs> it's, it is bring your own. Let's just talk about, you know, kind of back to this, the the AI part of it. You know, there's certainly a hype cycle with artificial intelligence or deep learning and, you know, kind of all of those not quite synonyms. And having poked around a bit with them myself, it's difficult 
you know, there you never realized how many variables there are until you <laughs> try to get a, a bot to do what you want. How are you finding that? You know, like as a small company in, a, in an industry working with something as complicated as medicine, where, you know, it's just as much of an art as it is a science and there's certainly rules, but there's a lot of ways to break them as well. What's been kind of your experience or do you have any learnings there? Technologies and methodologies on the way stuff is applied um, really comes down to the idea and the process by which you go about solving the problem. And so, again, it's, it's really dependent on where you focus your energies. And, and we took a little bit more, as I mentioned earlier, finite approach to solving the documentation problem not the entire continuum problem. And by taking the technologies and understanding that knowledge from those technologies and applying it to this problem, that's how we're able to start to solve all these issues. And we do actually have some patents pending on some of our parsing technology and how we parse out the structured data elements versus the narrative text and things along that line. At the beginning of this conversation, we spoke about the problem of burnout, of physician burnout. We attributed a major cause of that burnout to having to click in EHR systems and just the onerousness of dealing with EHR systems. So enter NoteSwift. What has been your findings thus far relative to NoteSwift helping physicians not burn out? Glad you asked that question. I'll go back to the example I was using with the surgeons that I talked about earlier. This one surgeon was spending an hour and a half, two hours a day at night taking work home, spending $35,000 a year on transcription. We were able to train and educate him within a few days, and it took him a couple of weeks to become completely comfortable to the point where now he is doing all of his documentation immediately following each patient visit is going home with no work, and he just let us know that he doesn't require the transcriptions anymore, so they were able to save that 35000 a year. We're hearing these stories from many practices around the country as we are deploying Samantha out there. The learning curve is very short, and they're experiencing these great returns. Is it tough to install? It takes less than 30 minutes. Oh, because you already have an API with the EHR systems. Yeah. And what EHR systems do you work with? Today, we, we work with Allscripts and Athena Health uh, Clinicals. How long have you been around? We were originally invented by uh, actually a practicing neurologist down in Atlanta, Dr. Chris Russell, back in 2012. How many practices are you in at this juncture? Well, Samantha is a product that's only been in the market for the last 90 days as the virtual assistant. Our, the predecessor to Samantha were installed in about 1,000 practices around the U.S. And I know we actually were introduced by John Lynn, who is the founder of Health Scene, and he was very excited about what you guys are, are working on, and I can see why. So if someone is interested in learning more about what you are working on over there at NoteSwift, where would you direct them? They can go to our website, www.noteswift.com, or send Samantha an email at samantha at noteswift.com. I thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Wayne. All right. Thank you, Stacey. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of 
all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.